Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. It is Monday, February the 28th, 2022. It is currently 521 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Thank you for tuning in. Before we do anything else this afternoon, before we do anything else on this Monday, I want to at least try to make sure everyone is aware of this so that anyone who would like will take advantage of it. If you don't want to, that's great. Look, we're we're always looking for different ways that people can access our content. I'm always looking for every way possible. That's why the podcast is available literally on every platform that I can possibly think of. Pandora, Amazon Music, Audible, Deezer, uh, YouTube. I mean, every other podcast app you can think of, Spotify, you you name it. We're we're pretty much everywhere. But we're always looking. We're always looking for other opportunities. We we did just a a small, kind of a small test on Sermon. I think it's called Sermon.net. And that didn't go very well because their host system right now is just it it's it was a mess. So we we gave up on that. Their app really wasn't uh, very good, but we are always looking for other opportunities, looking for other opportunities. So I want to just go ahead and make this announcement. We've already made it in other podcast episodes, but I just know that sometimes people tune in for one thing and they don't tune in for another and then they miss it. And so many different times I'll get an email or, or something from someone and I'll be like, well, we discussed that in this episode or we discussed that in this episode and they never heard that episode. So here we go. Uh, okay, good. I Okay, good. Someone just said, I love uh, getting to hear the intro setups on Church One. I feel like that I'm, I'm on the inside. Well, that is good. That is good. So, there, that, so that right there, that comment that someone just posted in the chat, that, 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 that is everything I want to announce right now, okay? So I was trying to respond to that, but here's everything I want to announce. If you're not aware, we are currently now available on the Church One app. All you have to do is go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Do a search for Church One, O-N-E, Church, O-N-E, all run together. Download the app. As soon as the app is downloaded, you do a search for Theology Central. You select us as your preferred broadcaster. Make sure all of your notifications are turned on and... There you go. You can listen to us live and you'll have access to, well, well over a thousand episodes. I think we're like 1,400, 1,500. Um, and we're constantly adding to that number because I'm going through archives and trying to add older stuff to those series. Um, I think everything is well organized on the Church One app. I think it'll be a lot easier for you to find things. So I would highly recommend, not only, listen, I would recommend you downloading the Church One app. I know some people don't like to have a lot of different apps on their mobile devices, but here's the reason I would tell you to download the Church One app. Here's a couple of reasons. Number one, perfect notifications. The notifications actually work on the Church One app, where a lot of people who listen to us via the Spreaker app constantly tell me, I didn't get a notification. I didn't get a notification. I didn't get a notification. So the Church One app the Church One app is a solution to that, all right? A church, the Church One app is a solution to that um, because people can actually get the notification. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, phone calls here. 
while I'm live on the air, but the, the Church One app will actually give you the notifications and they actually work. Sorry to get distracted there, but I'm over here trying to turn down my uh, iPad as I'm getting phone calls while I'm live on the air. But I need my iPad because all of my notes are on my iPad, but I forgot to turn off the notifications. See, talking about notifications, but the Church One app will let you get notifications. Not only when I go live, you'll get notifications every time a new message sermon has been added. Also, you can get push notifications where I can send out notifications about anything. I can say I'm doing this, or it can be a quote. It can be anything. It can be telling you, here's the Bible memory verse for this week, whatever it may be. There you go. Um, it's, 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 it's available to you. So it's free. Apple App Store, Google Play Store, Church One. Download it. Search for Theology Central. Select us as the broadcaster. You're set. It's super easy. Now, if you want to participate in the chat when I'm live on the air, you'll need the Spreaker app. If you download the Spreaker app, that's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, not speaker, but Spreaker, then you just do a search for Theology Central and VBC, and you can follow us that way. A lot of people, you know, will say, well, I, cu- I couldn't find it here, or I couldn't find the app, or I had problems finding this or finding that. So hopefully the Church One app just resolves some of those problems and makes it easy on everyone. So please consider downloading that app. Now, you're not here to hear about all of that, but I wanted to just get that out of the way since we're very early in the week for our Bible study exercise. This is a Bible study exercise episode of the Theology Central podcast. For those who do not know, the Bible study exercise is an entire series of podcast episodes where the focus is, is to move you from a passive listener to an active participant in Bible study, where you don't just listen to someone give you what they've studied, but I try to get you involved. We have curriculum. We have the Bible memory app. We have all kinds of things to to get you involved. All of that is free. Just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'll give you the link to the curriculum. It's absolutely free. And then we give you assignments and we give you things to work on and we try to get you involved. It's one week dedicated to one passage of scripture. And this week we, we went, I think we did a lot of work last night. If you listened to the episode last night, we did a lot of work on this week's passage of scripture. But this week, it's all about John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now, the goal in this episode is not to go, I'm I'm not going, I'm going to do very little here. I'm going to kind of walk you back to a section in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. and And I'm going to hand it over to you for you to do some work this week. And then maybe Wednesday, we will come back to that and really dig into it. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to do a little work in John chapter 13. But let me remind you of what we covered last night. All right. If you remember John chapter 13, the first thing we did is we gave it an outline, but we did the outline in almost a reverse way. Instead of doing our outline, will you start with verse one, verse two, three, and you move down, we, I, I completely upended that concept. We started our outline by going to the end of John chapter 13, verses one through 17. So verses 15 through 17, let me read it to you. John chapter 13, 15 through 17. Jesus is speaking, for I've given you an example 
that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent me. If you, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. All right. Those three verses, I referred to that as the purpose John 13, 15 through 17, I refer to these three verses as giving us the purpose for everything that occurs in front of it. What we read in front of it is an event where Jesus does something involving his disciples. To understand that event, at the end, he kind of tells you, this was the purpose of what I've done. And the main focus here is that I've given you an example Right? I've given you an example. And from this, I've tried to teach you a principle, right? So the purpose is really to give him an example, to give them a principle, and really to help them understand a source of, of maybe happiness. You, you could, we could really break it down into some sub points. We didn't do that last night. I just, I'm throwing those ideas out there, I'm not trying to be dogmatic because the Bible study exercise, I do that all the time. I kind of like, well, what about this? And then I kind of leave it alone and see who, who grabs onto it and does something with it. But you can, you can work that out a, a little bit if you would like. So the first major point in our outline is the purpose. John 13, 15 through 17, we have the purpose of the event that comes before it. The next thing we have, now we go back to the top, John chapter 13, verse 1 through 2. And we, we decided, it was pretty much decided. Now you still have the ability to disagree if you want. We decided last night that we would include John 13 verses 1 through 3 as giving us the setting for the event that really is described starting in verse 4. So verses 1 through 3. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and he, ha- he was come from God and went to God. Verses 1 through 3 give us, gives us the setting. So we have the purpose in John 13, 15 through 17. We have the setting in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. That means verses 4 through 14, 4 through 14 really gives us the event. Now, there, there's some things we could do closer to the end of it that may, we may decide to change it up a little bit. But for now, we're going to say starting at verse 4 down to verse 14 is the event because it describes an event that takes place. But as I tried to explain last night, the event really serves as a parable. And I read from a number of commentaries and and different sources where this has been referenced at different times in church history as being a parable. That doesn't mean they are claiming it did not happen. What they're claiming is that the event served as a parable, that the, the event occurred, but what occurred served as a picture of some heavenly realities and heavenly truths that go way beyond just the physical event that took place. So we started, we took apart the event last night. Let me remind you, verse four. Speaking of Jesus, he riseth from supper. 
we connected that to the fact that Jesus, the eternal son of God, who was with God and was God in eternity, in a sense, sitting on the throne of glory and heaven, at some point in time, he rose up and he laid aside his garments. This is, in a sense, Jesus laying aside his glory. You can see Philippians chapter 2 to see this, the, the theology of this. But in a, in a, in a way, he, la- he didn't lay aside his deity, but he laid aside his glory. He laid aside his reputation. He laid it aside so that he could come to earth in the form of a servant. He could come as a babe. True God, true man. He took on human flesh. But he laid aside that glory, that honor. Born as a babe. You saw a little baby. You didn't say, oh, there's the eternal son of God. You saw a little baby. So we read this again. He riseth from supper. There's him, in a sense, standing up from the throne of glory to come to this earth. He lays aside his garment. He took a towel and girded himself. This is, he lays aside his his glory and he, in a sense, take upon human flesh. True God, true man. He takes upon human flesh. And just as Jesus takes in a sense, girds himself with this towel in order to serve, Jesus takes upon human flesh in order to seek, to to come to serve, to seek and save that which is lost. He came to, to serve those who did not deserve to be served. He did not come to be served, he came to serve. Right? Verse five, after that, he poureth water into a basin and begin to wash the disciples' feet. We talked about that the water there. We know in scripture that scripture itself is referred to as water and that we are washed through the word of God and by the word of God. But we also believe that this uh, refers to the washing that he would bring through the shedding of his own blood, through the suffering in the flesh and the shedding of his blood. That's how we are washed and cleansed from our sin. So he poured water in order to wash and to clean. I think it's very interesting here that he wiped them with the towel wherewith he was girded. The very towel that he had around him, he used that to wipe the feet, to, to wash clean. Well, it's in a sense, it's through Jesus' shed blood. It is through the, de- the suffering in his body that I am cleansed and I am redeemed. All right. So I think that there, again, we, and I'm going through this quickly. We talked about all of this last night. All of this is a parable. All right. It's a beautiful picture. All right. Verse five, again, he poureth water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now that's where we stop. Then, then uh, I'm dropping everything right now. And since we kind of stopped right, uh, stopped there last night, we then jump down to verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments, he was set down again and he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. After he washes their feet, then in a sense, after Jesus comes to this earth to suffer and to die, to, to, so that he sheds his blood so that people can be forgiven for their sins, Right. Then he takes upon his garments again. In other words, Jesus dies, he's buried, 
He raises again, and then he ascends back to the Father and takes upon that garment of glory again. And then it says, and he sat down again. Jesus is seated now at the right hand of the Father back in heaven. So in a sense, this whole thing is a parable of Jesus' incarnation, his earthly ministry of dying to save people, to save his people from their sins. Then he ascends back to the Father and takes upon that glory again. The glory that he had before, he now has again as he sits at the right hand of the Father. Right? All of that is a parable. Now, what we did last night is we skipped something. We skipped a major something. And that is your assignment for today and tomorrow. I'm going to give you your assignment for today and tomorrow. And hopefully you'll spend some time working on it. Now, I gave, I, I, yesterday, last night, I gave you already kind of your first major assignment. And you already know what that is, right? Read John 13, 1 through 17, over and over and over. Spend all week just reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. Talk about it. Talk about it with anyone you can find who wants to discuss scripture. Talk, 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 talk about it, all right? If you can't find anyone who'll talk about it, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Talk about it, your observations, what things that confuse you. The more you talk, the more you read, the more you see. The better your observation, the greater chance of a correct interpretation, Observation is the key to biblical interpretation. So many times people want to read and interpret. You got to read and observe. You got to observe, observe. So do that observation. But here's where we stopped. All right, so the first assignment is just read it. I gave that to you last night. But here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, and verse 12, right? That's really where I want you to spend the time working this week. Six through 12. When I say this week, the beginning of this week, today and tomorrow, verses six through 12. Let's read it. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? So Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. He makes it to Peter and Peter is like, doesn't understand what's going on completely. You can almost feel that he's completely shocked by this. And you can see why, because Jesus has taken on the role literally of a slave, of a common servant who's nailed, you know, he's, he's knelt down on the floor washing dirty feet. And Peter doesn't quite, so he's like, Lord, you're, you're, you're going to wash my feet? Now listen carefully. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. I want you to think about verse 7 this week. Say, what I'm doing now, you, you don't know but you're going to know after. So that clearly that clearly indicates to me the whole concept of taking this obviously as a parable because Jesus himself is indicating you you don't really know what I'm doing. Well, you would think from just a purely earthly perspective, Peter would like, I know what you're doing. You're washing people's feet. 
Jesus is obviously demonstrating something and showing something that goes beyond just washing dirty feet. He's trying to indicate something far greater than that. And I think he's picturing the, his entire incarnation, earthly ministry, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. I think he's demonstrating all of that. But I want you to really focus. I think that's an important verse. Hey, what I do now, knowest that not what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shall know hereafter. Hey, you don't understand right now. Peter, it was going to take some point later that Peter would finally figure it out. I don't know what Peter, again, sometimes when you're, we're reading the Bible, you wish that there was almost a narrator who's kind of give you a little insight into what's going on in the brain or the minds of the people we're reading about. I wish we could like hear Peter's thoughts right here. He's like, okay, so I don't understand what you're doing. Okay. Does he, does he stop to try to figure it out? It just seems as almost a, it feels like, and just speculation, it's almost like Peter's like, Okay, I don't understand it. He just ignores that because look at immediately what he says. All right. Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So it's like Peter, Peter doesn't, okay, you tell me I don't understand. Okay, maybe I don't understand, but I do understand this. You're not going to wash my feet because he sees that as almost like, you know, wrong, disrespectful, not reverent. He, he sees it almost as something horrible. So he's like, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, this is so important, all right? Um, verse, so verse eight, hey, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answers, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Hey, if I don't wash you, you can't have any connection with me. Now, is Jesus simp? Obviously, I think we can all agree. Jesus is not just saying, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part with me. In other words, I, I you know, I, if I don't wash your feet, you can't walk with me. It, it's not, he's not talking about washing physical feet here. He's, he's, he's going beyond that. In other words, this is, this is indicating something far greater than that. So what does it mean when Jesus says, if, if I don't wash you, you can have no part with me? What, what, what is he referencing there? What is being referenced? Now, look at what happens. So he's like, okay, if I don't, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part with me. Verse 9. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So then Peter's like, okay, if I can't have any part with you, then wash, wash my, my head, my hands, wash, wash everything and my feet. Just whatever you have to wash, wash everything. And then, so clearly Peter's trying to process. Peter still sees this as, okay, so if you don't wash, I have no part with you. He's seeing this in a very literal, not, not figurative, not spiritual. He sees this as the most literal thing possible. Okay, he's literally washing my feet. I don't want him to do that because I think it's wrong. But if he doesn't do that, I have no part of him. But he says, if, he's, if I'm not washed, well then wash everything to make sure. He, he sees this in the most literal way possible. And then Jesus says this. Okay. Uh, verse, uh, that's verse eight. Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Verse nine, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. 
Verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. All right, so he that, so if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. Okay, Peter's like, okay, wash all of me. Then, he, then Jesus said to him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash, save, save not save to wash his feet. In other words, it, you've already, in a some sense, you've already been washed. And so I don't need to wash you all again, but I still need to wash your feet. Now you got to, I know we, you may already think you've already got it all figured out, but you got to try to put your, yourself in that setting. This has to be the most confusing thing in the world. Like you're like, okay. Peter doesn't even understand what's going on. Jesus even indicates, you don't understand. You're not going to understand till later. Peter just like, wait a minute, wash my feet. Okay, if I don't wash, you know, or Jesus or Peter's like, don't wash my feet. Jesus is like, if I don't wash, then you have no part of me. Okay, wash my feet, my head, my hands, wash everything. Peter, no, if you've been washed, I don't need to wash all of that again. I just need to wash your feet. Peter at this point has to be so perplexed and confused. He has to be like, so like, what in the world is going on? Let me read it to you again. Verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he saith, ye are not all clean. Now we know the fact that all of them are not clean it goes back clearly to verse two because Satan has entered into basically Judas Iscariot to you know set up the plan to betray him. So clearly this demonstrates Jesus knows what's going on and clearly the fact that someone is not clean is referring to Judas and that right there indicates this is more than just a physical event because the unclean, the fact that someone is not clean here is not referring to their physical feet, it's referring to them spiritually. Judas is not clean. Now, here's what I want you to focus on. All right? The word wash, let's see how many times it's used here. Um, verse six, Peter says, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? There's once. Verse seven, Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, uh, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Verse eight, Peter saith unto him, thou Thou shalt never wash my feet. There's the second time. Uh, he continues, Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, there's the third time, thou have no part with me. P uh, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Okay, he doesn't use the word wash there, but that's okay. Verse 10, Jesus said unto him, he that is washed, number four, needeth not save to wash his feet, number five, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. Verse 12, so after he had washed their feet, there it's used again. So what I want you to do is go from 6 to 12. I want you to look up every use of the word wash or washed. Look it up in an interlinear. You can use the Blue Letter Bible app. It's absolutely free. And I want you to see if, if, it, if there's different uses of different Greek words that are used here and does it signify anything? Just, just, I'm just trying to get you to do some basic detective work here. Just wash, 
wash, wash, wash. Is, is, any, is, is one using one Greek word? Is another one using a different Greek word? Is there any difference in the Greek word? What do the Greek words tend to signify? Is, there may not be anything there. There may be something there. Remember Bible study exercise rules. I don't tell you everything, right? Just, I want you to get in the practice of doing a little bit of investigating. It seems weird. I can wash, wash. If I don't wash this, then, you know, but if I wash this, you don't need to be washed here. What is going on? So let's just do a little bit of work on the word wash and washed. What are the different Greek words used? Are they different? And if they do, do they signify anything? If they're the same, then obviously there's nothing within the Greek that offers any hidden clues. If they're different, does it offer any clues? Does it offer any clues in any way, shape, or form? All right. So there, so number number one, you should read John 13, 1 through 17 over and over and over. Assignment number two, John 13, 6 through 12. I want you to look up every usage of the word wash or washed. Look it up in the interlinear and see if there's any, are the words the same? Are they different? Just anything that you find, right? I'm not trying to give you any specific clues to look for. I just want you to start kind of, in a sense, looking around and seeing if you find something. Don't go to commentaries. Do not look at commentaries. Do not look at that. If you're looking at that study Bible, I'm slapping your hand now, put it down, right? Bible study, you don't use a study Bible. You don't use a study Bible and Bible study. The study Bible is used as a reference tool later. You, the first step of Bible study is you doing your own work because what will happen so many times with, Bible, with study Bibles, people read the text, immediately look down, look at the notes and almost reference the notes almost like they're somehow inspired. I, I, study Bibles should be kept on a shelf and when you need them, you go open it up and then use it as a reference tool, not as a normal Bible to read, not as a normal Bible to take to church, not, no. You want a Bible without any notes at all so that you can work on the text, okay? Then then you can go check the reference. Right now, I don't want you looking at it, what anybody else says about the word wash or washed or any theories they have or any claims they make. I want you to look for yourself. That's when we start looking at all the claims. You can be like, well, that's not true or that's true because you've seen it for yourself. By getting you to do that, I'm trying to help you where you will not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, Right? You do the work. Is there anything there? There may not be anything there. You may say, I spent two hours and found not one thing. You are garbage. And, but don't think that I'm garbage for having you do that. Thank me that you're actually engaged in serious Bible study and not just listening to someone tell you what's there, right? So look it up. Wash, washed, every single time it's found. Just, and do you see any, is there a pattern there? Is it, does one, is, is Peter using it one way? Is Jesus using a different Greek word? Is there anything there? Anything there, right? So read John 13, 1 through 17. Work on John 13, 6 through 12, look, looking up, focused on the word wash or washed. And then here's number three. You've got to think this one through. Clearly, Peter is trying to understand what has to be washed. There, there's, there's, this, there's a confusion here. I, th- I think we can agree with this. I'm trying to think exactly how to say this. Peter is trying to figure out what washing is required and isn't required. He, he's like, okay, don't wash my feet. Nope, if I don't wash your feet, 
I have no part of me. Okay, well then wash all of me. No, I don't need to wash all of you. I only need to wash your feet. Okay, what what is going, what is the different washings here, right? There seems to be a washing of, think of it this way. There se- seems to be at least two washings that are indicated in this text. You can tell me if you agree or disagree. There's a washing of the feet alone, and then there is a washing of the rest of the person. What is the difference between the washing of the feet versus the washing of the rest of the body? There's clearly two washings here. Now, I know you're going to immediately tell me, no, it's this. You're going to tell me that because some preacher told you that. I don't want to hear what some preacher told you. I want you to stop and try to look at the text and go, okay, is there, is there a distinction being made, right? Is there, there's, there's two washings. Is there a distinction being made between the two? If you say, yes, there's a distinction. There's a distinction between washing the feet and washing the body, right? That, that distinction is clear, right? If you, if you agree with that, then, then you write down that distinction. And I want you to try to give me what you think is the correct interpretation of these two washings and I want you to try to justify it with something, right? Not, not a commentary. I want you to try to justify it with something. I know this assignment's a little vague, but, I, but I'm trying to get you to, to, to struggle through this, right? Because here's what you're, you're going to be challenged to do. John 13, 6 through 12. Okay, there seems to be two washings. There's a washing of the feet. And there's washing of the body, All right? There seems to be two different ones. All right, okay, I don't know what to do. I'll go to BibleHub.com. Okay, start looking at all the commentaries. Well, that's the washing of the feet is this. The washing of the body is this. The washing, and, and they're going to tell you what it means. And then you're going to be like, amen, I believe that. But that's not Bible study. <laughs> okay, that's commentary reading. What, what would you, and if you're going to say there's two different ones based off what? Based off what? Think of it this way. We believe clearly, and I think we can indicate, there's something going on here beyond just the physical washing of someone's feet. Jesus himself even tells Peter, you don't understand what's going on. Now, I think when we look at Jesus rising up, taking off the garment, girding himself with a towel, all of that, we I think, clearly can picture the incarnation if we go to Philippians 2, 5 and following. I think, I think we can go to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, he became flesh, dwelt among us. Okay, we can go to other scriptures. He came to serve, not to be served. We, 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 can, we can put scriptures together to at least make that parable picture make sense. Now what I want you to do is think of what scriptures you would use to try to identify what these washings represent and what, what they are. Now, whenever you start talking about washings and water, you can almost guarantee there's going to be someone out there. Some There's going to be some in the Christian world are going to be like, well, one of those washings have to be baptism. You can almost guarantee someone's going to come in and say that. Others will be like, no, 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 it's not baptism. Now, what I want you to do, and when we start looking at all the commentaries this week, We'll, we will let them give all of their theories, but I want you to already have struggled with it before you look at anything. So do not look at any commentaries. If you've looked at commentaries, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 you, you, you lose 50 points to this week. You're, you're, gonna get a, you're, you're not going to get above a 50 this week, all right? Don't look. 
He said, well, I already looked. You need, you need to just, you need to find a way to just wipe that out of your brain. Okay. I want you to just work on it. And so I'm giving you the first thing, look up the Greek. Is there anything in the Greek? You're like, I don't find one clue here in the Greek. There's nothing here in the Greek that helps me. Okay, great. Now, what do you do? Well, okay. All right. I can think of, I think of washing. I think of water. Okay. We know he pours water. I I mean, I could go to Ephesians 5 or washed with the water of the word. Okay. What is that washing of the body? Is that washing of the feet? What else could I go with? What else could I go with? Right? What, what, how, how would I understand this? Am I, am I focused too much on the fact that it's water? In other words, the fact that water is being used here, is that a distraction? What do I mean by that? Some people hear water, they hear washing, they immediately go to baptism. Is this, I, I think it would be very hard pressed that this would be picturing baptism, right? I mean, we're in John 13, There's been some baptism, but I mean, I mean, well, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm throwing out, there's a lot of ideas I want to throw out there, but I'm not going to, I just want you thinking about it. I want you thinking about it. All right. So your assignment this week, read John or for the next couple of days, because we'll be talking about it before this week is over. Right. So I want you to read John 13, one through 17, over and over and over and over and over. I want you to work on John 13, 6 through 12. And the first thing I want you to do in, the, in that section is just look up the Greek words behind the words wash and washed. Are there any similarity, difference, same, what? Just any clues you can find. Then I want you to see if you agree that there's a distinction between the two washings. I've kind of pretty much kind of said that in a dogmatic way, but still look at it and see if you agree. And then I want you to try to explain what the two, the two washings are. What's the washing of the feet represent versus the washing of the body? What, what's the distinction here? What, what would you connect it to? How would you draw that conclusion? I want you to just try to justify it without any commentary, without any commentary, without a study note. And then the last thing I want you to do this week, I'm going to go to the Bible memory app. I'm going to the Bible memory app. I'm going to go to groups. I'm going to go to Theology Central, our group. I'm going to look at our verses. I want you to memorize this week, John 13, verse 13, verse 14, and verse 15. John 13, 13, 14, and 15. John chapter 13, verses 13, 14, and 15, using the Bible memory app, using the Bible memory app, and, uh, or if you don't want to use the Bible memory app, you don't have to, but the Bible memory app, I think is just a good way to use it. So you can download the Bible memory app. It's free. Um, just go to any app store, type in Bible memory. I think all you have to do is type in Bible memory app. Um, you'll see it. It's kind of a white background with like a red Bible on, on the cover. You'll see it. If you can't find it, let me know. Download it. Then uh, you'll go to groups and do a search for Theology Central. Join the group. It's absolutely free. And then you can start memorizing all the scripture. There are your assignments. Now, no one has asked me to repeat anything. Um, that either means nobody's listening B, everyone got exactly ever all the assignments. C, no one cares. <laughs> okay, <laughs> or D, Twyla isn't listening yeah, because when Twyla typically listens, she will ask me to repeat one, and it's usually uh, I think it's for everyone else's benefit. Uh, but uh, I think it's all. I think I think I've went over those a number of times. Now, there's a part of me who wants to start breaking it down already. 
I want to just jump in. But I did, a mo- I did a lot of the teaching last night, which typically I don't do that much teaching sometimes in a Bible study exercise. So I spent over an hour doing teaching last night. I didn't want that to turn into teaching today. So I'm trying, I'm trying to stop myself, which ugh, I'm like, oh, let, let's, 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 let's do this. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But no, 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 stop, stop, stop. So there you have it. This whole section here. And oh, actually, I, I just realized this. Yeah, the first use of the word wash is in verse five. I'm just looking at this again. So I actually start in verse five because they poureth water into a basin and begin to wash the disciples' feet. So there's the first use of wash. Then verse uh, six is the second use. Verse eight is the third, fourth use. Um, and then verse 10 is washed and then wash. So I actually start in verse five. I said verse six, but verse six through 12 is what we're focused on. But the first use of wash is in five. So just, again, all of the words may be the same. They may be different. We don't want to make more of something than we should, but we don't want to make less of something. But the only way you can, look, it protects you. I, so many times, I, I, I wish Christians would understand this. Sometimes doing this kind of work and Bible study, which some people may feel like it's, it's tedious, it's unnecessary, I can just look this up. No, you do that so that you're protected. So no preacher can come along and say, the wash here is this Greek word in the wash. Because I've heard lots of preachers tell me something is this in the Greek or this in the Hebrew. And you go do five seconds of research and you're like, wait a minute, where did they get that? That Greek word doesn't actually mean that. Where, where are they getting this from? You'll look up in a lexicon, you'll look up in an infilinear, and you're like, and in many cases, they don't even tell you exactly where they're getting the idea from. Just don't fall for that. And the way you can be protected is when you study a passage where possibly someone could come along and go, well, that Greek word means you've already looked it up and then you're protected and you won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I wish you could always trust what someone says when they say something means this in the Greek. And that's why I typically, the way I do so in my church is I don't just stand in the, in the pulpit and say, this is what it means in the Greek. I'm like, okay, everyone, Grab your phones, open up the Blue Letter Bible app, click on the verse, go to the interlinear, let's look at it together. Now, I understand that's a, uh, you could argue that's a surface level of understanding of a Greek word, but in many cases, what many preachers do is they're just relying on what some commentary said. Or they may rely on how a Greek word is used outside of biblical literature. Well, then you have to ask yourself, is that, is the, is the, the, non-biblical usage being imported into the text? And do I read that non-biblical usage into the text? I mean, we get into a lot of questions here about that kind of thing. But the main thing is if a pastor doesn't really give you the information or source from where he got the, the, the interpretation of a Greek word or his definition of a Greek word, you should be, you should call it, you should be suspect, right? Because if you like, well, the word, because so many times you'll look it up and you're like, okay, well, I don't find anything like that. And what they'll typically tell, well, if you actually studied Greek, you would know. Well, okay, well, no, give me the source. Where did you get your information? And sometimes they will reluctantly tell you, well, I got it in this commentary. Okay, well then, it has nothing to do with the fact that you know the Greek word. You read someone else telling you that's what it meant in the Greek. 
That's not an official, a commentary is not necessarily a quote unquote, a, a, a Greek language reference tool. It's some commentary telling you what they think the Greek word means. Okay. Where did they get their information? You got to verify, 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 verify. All right. Remember the Bible study exercise. I like to give you a lot of these principles as well. So there you have it. Oh, I so wish we could do more. I so wish we could do more, but I have to stop. I have to stop. There you have it. There's your Bible study exercise, early week assignments. All right. Uh, I will not be here tomorrow. I don't know if I will be here. I won't. I know. Never mind. I won't be here tomorrow. I definitely will be here Wednesday. When I say I don't know if I'm going to be here Wednesday, I'm assuming I will only be here Wednesday at 7 p.m. for our Wednesday evening service. I don't know if I'll be here Wednesday afternoon doing those hours of broadcasting. We're going to have to try to work out some new schedules um, because uh, we're trying to get, you know, trying to get everything back to the way it's supposed to be. We we maintain all of our Sunday morning services, but our Sunday night and Wednesday uh, during the whole pandemic, those those really had some major problems. I mean, we we couldn't meet every Sunday morning, but we tried to keep those going as much as possible. But our Sunday night and Wednesday took a, a major hit. We're trying to get back to that. So that means I don't have many cases, those hours in the afternoon to work on things. But uh, so we will see. But the main thing is if you've got plenty to work on now, you've got plenty to work on. If you do the assignments, email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com. And of course, if you're a part of the Theology Central Discord channel, Hey, let's talk about it. There you have it. I'll stop. Everyone have a great, I was going to say Wednesday evening. Have a great Monday evening. Thanks for tuning in. We only got two live broadcasts done today. Oh, there's this, there's this thing I wanted to do. And I don't know why it all, let me see if I have it here. I've been really trying to encourage everyone to download the Sermons 2.0 app, right? The Sermon Audio 2.0 app, where the, now it's, it's, I think it's it's on its way of becoming a really, 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 really valuable tool to everyone. There was a sermon preached on February the 24th, 2022. It was posted on the Sermon Audio 2.0 app. It's called Stay Away from the Trap. Stay Away from the Trap. And the first time I listened to it, there was this section and I'm like, well, wait a minute. This seeming, this seems to indicate what the action of God for us, and they've taken the verse and they're reading it as the action I am to do. In other words, it's the verse that seems to indicate this is the action God does for us, and they preached it like, here's what you need to do. So I was going, I got, I, I downloaded it, and I was going to do an episode here where we took that apart, but I can't find now where it is in that sermon. So um, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. Um, Either I misunderstood or I'm confusing it with another sermon, but it's called Stay Away from the Trap. It's on the uh, Sermon Audio 2.0 app. Again, you should download that app. If you do download the app, look for Theology Central. But um, yeah, uh, if we find it, we'll, we'll discuss that. And then we had, I don't know, about 500 other things to do. We have The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Yeah, we need to get back to that. Oh, there's, I, I, sometimes I'm, sometimes I, you look at how many episodes I do a year. 
You would think at some point I would run out of things to talk about, okay? But I never, I never even come close. All right, hey, uh, thank you. Thanks. Uh, someone in the chat just said thanks. Have a g- great evening. I hope, I hope that was beneficial. hope that was helpful. But uh, sometimes I'm just blown away by no matter how many hours I sit here, I always leave going, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do this and I didn't do this. And we need to get back to the do- the, the little study we're doing on doctrine. There's so much. And uh, I'm, I, sometimes I feel like I'm drowning. It's like I, you think at some point I'd be like, man, I'm burnt out. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to talk about anymore. But it never, I'm, I'm I, I never, I've never experienced that. I, I'm, I'm always like, could we, could we have one more? Uh, hey, church, could we have a couple more? I know we've already been here three hours today. Could we Could we stay together another three hours? Because I got three more hours of things to talk about. But uh, yeah, there you have it. Yeah, yeah, I know problems you don't care about. All right, everyone have a great evening. I'm going to head home. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.